This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. You're listening to Castrol CarCast on Podcast One. Hey guys, we've got a big car cast show for you today. We're going to talk about the new Corvette, get in all into the great details of the new C8 mid-engine Corvette, and then we're going to uh, get uh, our buddy Mark Warman on the phone from Graveyard Cars and get an update about what's going on with Dodge, uh, with uh, Goldberg's Dodge truck. Uh, of course, before we get started, let me tell you a little bit about Continental Belts. If you think of all the weird things that you find in cars, and I'm not just talking about French fries or melted crayons, I'm talking about live snakes, bizarre trinkets, stuff that makes you really wonder about, folks. Well, another thing that you'll find are Continental belts, but I bet you didn't know that they're OE and millions of Chrysler, Dodge, Ford, BMW, VW, and GM vehicles. Continental is launching the aftermarket multi-V belt with their OE pedigree. It's their OE technology series. These belts are fanatically engineered for perfect fit, form, and function for 98% of the vehicles on the road in the U.S. and Canada. Continental's OE Technology Series Multi-V Belt, the belt with the OE pedigree. To get the full story, go to OETechnologySeries.com. And, of course, CarCast is brought to you by our friends at Dodge. Enjoy summer at your speed. Whether you're tearing up the streets in a Dodge Charger or enjoying summer with friends in a seven-passenger Durango, hurry in today for a great deal during Dodge Summer Clearance Event. All right, let's get started. Hello, welcome to CarCast. I am Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea, with Bill Goldberg, uh, calling in from uh, from the baseball game. I think from well, you know, it's a World Series tournament down here in San Diego, man. I'm I'm my uh, my dual purpose uh, gentleman today. I'm dad, and I'm a pod sh- podcast show host. There you go. Oh. Well, uh, CarCast is brought to you guys by uh, JB Weld. It's made in the USA. Pros and DIYers have trusted uh, JB Weld for more than 50 years. We use it at home. We use it in the garage. We use it here at the studio as well. Available at jbweld.com, Home Depot, Lowe's, AutoZone, O'Reilly Auto Parts, uh, Advanced Auto Parts, Walmart, Amazon, and more. JB Weld, world's strongest bond. Oh, man, we got some uh, we got some good stuff in store. Uh, I guess the... Uh, the uh, the big news is the new Corvette mid-engine C8 Corvette. Uh, the guys at Chevrolet invited me down to uh, to to experience it and kind of check it out and hear all the great stuff about it. And everybody have seen the photos. Uh, I'm sure, Bill, you've seen all the images of this car uh, being passed around all over Instagram and everything. Um, they certainly uh, it certainly gets a lot of press. Um, I don't. Do you have some initial uh, thoughts on what you've seen so far? And I'll get into initial, some of the details. Yeah, yeah. Initial thoughts are are thrown out the window to the opinion of you who has seen it actually in person. I mean, I think it's a really cool concept. Um, I, I, you know, there's no question that uh, they needed something to kick uh, 
kick the brand kind of in the butt. But uh, I, I think it's really cool. It's forward thinking, and uh, I think it may set out to do what they they needed to do. But you tell me, man. I want to hear the for the personal feedback you have of seeing it, and, you know, at the event. Yeah, so I went to I went there with Brad Fanshawe, my uh, my buddy uh, from Shift and Steer, and uh, we were kind of running a few minutes late. And as we were walking in, everyone's in there; they're sitting, they're waiting, except for two people, and it's Craig and Carolyn Jackson from Barrett Jackson Auction. Um, but uh, so it was good to kind of like run into them and catch up with them, and then walk in and spend pretty much half the half the event with them. Um, and uh, I, you know, I think I think Craig and Carolyn really liked it as well. But here's a uh, Here's my thoughts on it is there's a lot of love and a lot of hate for this car, um, you know, because, you know, change and things like that. First of all, I, I still love what it represents, having an American sports car, not um, not necessarily a muscle car. We've got muscle cars. We've got our Challengers and, and Mustangs and Shelbys and stuff. I'm talking about a, a great American sports car and uh, that's been around for so long Uh uh, Chevrolet put on a hell of a presentation talking about this car, and overall, I would say I'm impressed. I I like it. I think they they try to put in as many design cues of a Corvette as possible, and because there was this sort of this fine line, this design decision of going, do we make it? Do we sort of reinvent the wheel? Or do we try to stay true to as much Corvette as possible? And they had to stick to a little bit of a Corvette legacy in, in, in its current design theme. So when you look at the car front on from the grill, it looks like a variation on, on the modern-day Corvette. You know, the hood's a little shorter and things like that. But you would look at it straight on and go, yeah, it could be some kind of modern-day Corvette, ZR1-looking kind of thing. Um, and... When you look to the back, uh, it's got some Corvette in it. It has a little bit of modern-day Camaro in it with the taillights, but at least it still says GM. It still says it's 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 a you know it's a Chevrolet sports car. Um, uh, and it, but it's interesting. So uh, all of the spy photos and the car wrapped up in the in the the weird camouflage and stuff. I always thought the proportions were going to look weird when I saw the car in person. The proportions look much better in person with with a good clean paint job on it, and uh, you know I don't even really like they had a white one, a red one, and a blue one. Um, then they had sort of this off to the side. They had kind of this uh, bronze, kind of coppery brown thing, um, which looked good. I didn't love it in red, believe it or not. Um, I thought the blue was fantastic. The white looked good. The current ZR1. Is a badass car, but I think it's a badass car because of how quick it is and how it performs and what it represents. But I think the ZR1 gets a little busy with all of that stuff going on in the front of the nose and the in the splitters and the wings and all that. It's just it's getting to be a little racy, and um, uh, I don't know. It seems a little odd to me the way that looks. This car is very clean, looks good. And I'll tell you, it's bigger than you think. It's bigger than an NSX. It's bigger than a Cayman. Um, it's not. It didn't come off as large in any way. But there was a couple things they needed to do to appeal to this audience. And Bill, you might kind of like this as well. Is first of all, they didn't go with a carbon fiber monocoque top for two reasons. One, it's expensive, uh, and two, 
those tubs have a very high sill plate. So the McLaren, the Ford GT, things like that are a little bit different to get into. You have to really kind of step into it, maybe even sit on that still and kind of wiggle yourself in and kind of lift yourself into it. Um, so the Corvette has a much lower sill plate. It's, it's, a, it's an aluminum structure. It's got aluminum uh, frame, if you will. Um, and down the center of the car has this aluminum backbone. And that's where a lot of the structure rigidity, rigidity comes from. Um, so it allows people to get in and out of a car. So a big guy can get in and out of that car a little, a little easier and uh, and and ladies, you don't have to like sit on that sill and and Britney Spears the audience and then swing on over and uh, uh, or Basic Instinct the audience and swing on over into the seat. Like you can get into it a little bit easier. So I think they're trying to make it a little more uh, comfortable in that respect. And then I saw a couple of big dudes there. Um, not not I hit the gym big dudes, but like I ate too many slices of pizza big dudes, and I saw a huge guy. Get into that Corvette. So I, I think I think it'd be, you know, uh, you know, look, there's going to be a long line for this car to get to get you know get it in the press fleets and get an opportunity to drive it. There's probably going to be some at the LA Auto Show they can get in and sit in. But uh, I'm I'm curious uh, when that comes available. You know, for you to to get in that car and spend some time in that car. And and what do you think? Does a guy your size fit? It's never really about. Like they can make a, a car fit a guy who's six foot four, but he can make a car fit with good shoulder room and make it comfortable. Um, so it, that'll be kind of interesting to see how uh, how you fit in it. The other reason I'm, why I'm, I'm looking forward to checking it out for sure. I'm, you know, performance wise, if it stacks up to you know the numbers that they've been putting out, if it is true that uh, it provides a little bit more room, then uh, yeah, I mean, hey, I'm a Corvette guy too. At the end of the day, like you said, it's not a muscle car. It's a representation of, uh, of an American sports car. It's been around for a long time, and it's big, big red, white, and blue. So um, I'll give it a shot for sure. You know, it's got it's got space in it as well. One of the reasons why it's a little bit longer was, um, you know, Corvette had some utility to it, and they wanted to come up with a version to still make that happen. Uh, so it has the front trunk. It has the frunk. And um, it's 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 pretty good size, but the back because the car is a little bit longer um, after the engine between between uh, by the rear rear bumper there is a storage area, and that storage area uh, can fit two golf bags, uh, or they have you know some fitted luggage and a bunch of stuff you can put in it. But um, uh, it was it was pretty interesting how they did it. And both of those tubs, those storage tubs, the front and the rear one, um, I, I don't exactly remember what they were what what the material was, but it's a version of fiberglass. I'm pretty sure it wasn't carbon fiber. It was a fiberglass, but but um, but but a very very lightweight, very strong, tight, uh, like almost like vacuum like compressed version of fiberglass. Instead of just layers and letting it dry, I think it's a uh, you know, it's a it's a very tight version, of it, and it just weighed like a couple of pounds, like three pounds for one, and I don't know, four pounds for the other. Um, so they put a lot of thought into that. Uh, the engine. My, my my abnormal comment is going to be: When did uh, the size of the trunk of an American or of any car be designated by how many golf bags that you can put in it? Well, I mean. You look I, at the definition of a man these days. That's why we've changed so much. That's why we're all weenies. 
Yeah. Because, uh, you know, it went from a, the, how many saddles could you put in our car or how many chainsaws to how many golf bags. Yeah. You saw my, uh, I did an Instagram post uh, maybe about a month ago when I was driving the Acura uh, NSX and I was like, I don't know how golf bags. So I took pictures of a floor jack. I put a floor jack in the back with the with the handle and a couple of jack stands. Uh, I was like, "This is this is my test." Is uh, you know, I put down uh, 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 the the sheet, you know, the the moving mat, uh, you know, the padded uh, quilted moving mat kind of thing, and I put that down, and I put a floor jack in there, and a couple of a uh, uh, you know couple of jack stands and stuff. That was sort of my test. That's I'm going to start that's rating what, that's these what things. A, that's what a man would do. Yeah, right? I'm going to start uh, I'm going to start doing that. How many floor jacks can you put in the back of a Corvette? Uh, we've got like six of them over here at the shop. I'm just going to stack them all up and see how it goes. Uh, but it's got a lot of room in it. So the engine um, is uh, interesting. This is the part that I'm on the fence with is they didn't it still has a cam in block pushrod engine, and I know they've done a great job of evolving that engine over the years and through their racing programs and whatnot. Um, I think they're calling it LT2, uh, and it is 495 horsepower. Um, that's the other thing is, all right, so, I mean, we could have done overhead cams. We could have done, uh, you know— uh, a four valve or you know i'm not sure why they keep going down this i guess it's they're maybe it's a legacy thing for them maybe it's uh it's because nobody else is doing it anymore um and i'm sure it's incredibly sophisticated and probably has direct injection and all this crazy stuff uh and it's a good looking motor i'll tell you that the the new engine covers and stuff are a good looking motor the base model is 495 horsepower and then I don't know. When we were there at the presentation, I didn't get a t- chance to talk to somebody from GM, but I was just kind of asking around. I was like, why couldn't they just do the 500? I, doesn't it feel like 495 is some sort of like EPA mandated something insurance. or a tax thing, insurance? <laughs> like, doesn't it feel Corporate. like a little bit, you know, yeah. like, could you just, you know, imagine that big presentation with giant screen in the back and have it read 500? I mean, aren't they just like a cane and air filter away from hitting that number? <laughs> uh, yes, they are. <laughs> right? So, I mean, it's going to be easy for everybody to, like, get 500 out of it, but I was just wondering why 495, uh, uh, you know, anyway. Um, well, why did, why did Dodge do 797? I, I guarantee it's, it has has a lot to do with insurance. It's got it's got to be something, right? It's got to be something because you're right. Like seven ninety seven. That's not even a K and an air filter away. That's that's a good tank of gas. Versus the K and will get you forty two, which gets you bumps you up. So yeah, yeah right. So <laughs> it seems it seems like so. Um, this is what's pretty interesting. I think the numbers came in at. A dry weight of thirty three sixty, which means wet oil and fuel and stuff like that, is about thirty six hundred. It's a little on the heavy side, um, uh, not not too heavy, but a little on the heavy side uh, for for what it is. I think, um, but four hundred ninety five horsepower scoots that car around pretty good. Um, the, the, the dynamics, the balance, the things they were able to do, the aerodynamics on that car that they were able to do, um, is something, you know, that they can achieve with a, with a mid engine car that they weren't able to do with a front engine as much as they want to move that front engine under the, under the, the firewall, do sort of a front mid. They, the dynamics of this car are going to be different and it's all done to be better. Now, 
Corvette enthusiasts, maybe sports car, muscle car enthusiasts may feel like they want a front engine car. I personally love a long nose front engine car. I love the GT uh, style of cars. I love the look of an Aston Martin, uh, you know, a Ferrari F12. Um, I, I like, I've always liked that long nose front engine design of cars. Um, and uh, and the mid-engine cars, I think, are, are great. You know, we drove the McLaren 720S was great and the NSX, which is great. And uh, uh, But I don't know. I just kind of like the look of, of sort of the classic style. But so, uh, but this car it looks fantastic. There's a lot of talk, a lot of controversy over the interior. The, the, the driver and the passenger are very separated. There's more than just a center console be- between them. It almost seems like a barrier. And they both sit in sort of their own little cockpit. And there's a big line of switches going down the middle. But the switches going down the middle that separates the two uh, uh, passengers or the two uh, occupants is all of the, um, the like the uh, air conditioning switches and you know recirculation and the temperature controls and things like that. Everything else is in the touchscreen. They try to eliminate more switches, even though that center stack looks like there's a hundred switches on it. Uh, it's 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 not meant. To, oh, the only other uh, external control I believe is a volume control for the stereo, so you don't have to like get onto the touchscreen for that. Um, I I don't. Uh, there's a lot of people at, talking about the switches. They're thin. They're kind of out of the way. I know they're kind of in the middle, but I don't think it's bad. I think once you put your hand there and and just kind of start to remember which switches do what and where they're located. I think it's going to be easy. I believe I saw um, like a like a wrist pad with a sort of a track pad or a dial underneath. So you can use the touchscreen or use some sort of a joystick sort of dial thing. That I didn't get around to uh, to to play with, so I don't know how it functions. I don't know if it if if it moves or you just turn the dial. Um, so I'd have to look into that some more. Uh, there was like a thousand people at this event, and as soon as they said, "Come on up on stage, look at the car," it was just so difficult to even get photos of the car. There were so many people. Um, so this is what they talked about was they have the base model and then they have a Z51 package. This is what's available at launch, a base model and a Z51 package. The Z51 package is going to be fairly robust. It's going to have some aero improvements. It's going to have uh, much grippier tires um, and a whole bunch of bits, uh, you know, suspension, brakes, and all kinds of stuff like that that it's going to have. Um, I don't know what that package is going to cost, but as they explained it, it felt like it's going to be like a fifteen thousand dollar package, um, you know, give or take a, a few grand. Um, but the base price now. Let's forget about the whole dealer markup bullshit. Don't ever pay that dealer markup stuff. There's going to be plenty of these cars. <laughs> I'm telling you, that pisses me off so much. That dealer markup stuff makes me so angry. It's just like why you, you might as well go buy a car and then take X amount of dollars and just set it on fire, you know? And just, just just why not donate if you're gonna if you if you're gonna go spend an extra twenty thousand dollars on a brand new Corvette or a Toyota Super or whatever, just donate it to charity. That's the best way to do it. At least you get a write off from that. Don't give the dealer this fucking dealer markups. That make me so mad. Um, but I'll uh, oh let me uh. 
Let me hit this real quick. Let me hit uh, before I, I I get on this rant and I forget that we have ads to read. But um, uh, let me tell you guys how a much bit is about the, what's the retail price for God's sakes? You can't let these people on the. You got to let them off the hook, man. I, over this commercial, you got to tell them the, the retail was around forty or forty to sixty grand. It's sixty thousand. The base price is sixty thousand, and then I'll tell you what's uh, what's going to go basically on top of that. What we can assume, but first, uh, Geico. Okay. Everybody's got a to-do list. You drop off your dry cleaning. You pick up some milk. Now you can add, save hundreds of dollars on car insurance, and you don't have to pick up or drop off anything. Just go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. So if you want some extra money in your pocket, this is the most rewarding to-do you can do today. Check out Geico.com. Speaking of extra money in your pocket, don't pay the stupid dealer markups. Man, I could do an entire show on how much that hates me. I hate that stuff. Um, so 60000 is the base price. Technically, they said under 60000 I don't know, fifty nine nine ninety five, whatever it is. Um, that is a fantastic price. We were all standing around going – we get it. It's mid-engine. It's sports car. It's fast. It's going to be eighty thousand, and I wouldn't have blinked an eye at eighty thousand. But sixty thousand is the base price, and they didn't give us the performance specs of the base car, but the Z fifty one package, which has specifically the grippier tires, zero to sixty in under three seconds. So they're saying probably two. Well, yeah, that's seconds. what they're going to do. They're going to give yeah. you the base price. They're not going to give you the stats on it. And they're going to give you the stats on the Z51 to make some people think that that's going to be the base prices, you know, output. Yeah, it's it's well, funny because sure. the way the speech was written by the GM executives, uh, uh, he said something to the line of, "He's like, I know you're all wondering what it's going to cost," and uh, and he was sort of implying he didn't mean base price he meant something else and and he goes well i can't tell you that today and the entire crowd was like no and he's like no no, no. he's like wait he's like the base price is sixty thousand. it's under sixty thousand. And, and then people were were very happy about that but man just whoever wrote that speech for them people were like what you can't tell us the price why are we here no <laughs> it's, doubt it's so, like a thousand people just gasped at once it was hilarious and he like he kind of turn red and he's like no 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 i'm gonna tell you i'm gonna tell you something so sixty thousand under sixty thousand base under three seconds zero to sixty with the z51 package this to me feels like this is what it feels like it feels like a base corvette for sixty thousand pretty plain jane but it'll get you in the car we'll do zero to sixty and probably three two the Z51 package, 2.9, but probably adds about 15000 or so to the price, right? Um, and then there are, th- I believe he said, three seat options. There's sort of a base seat, uh, a, a sportier, like a, a power seat, and then like a, a way grippier kind of competition type of seat. And, uh, you know, those probably range anywhere from, I don't know, from – Fifteen hundred to three thousand dollars, and then there's a a pretty trick fourteen speaker like Bose system in it. You assume there's probably I don't know two to three thousand dollars for that, maybe thirty five hundred for all of that. So I, I don't know. I think I think you get yourself into a Z fifty one equipped car, good seats. All the all the good bits on it, good sound system. You're probably in the eighty to eighty five range. You know, yeah, for, I don't think that's unreasonable at all. And then you know? then you look at it in a different light. 
Yeah. You know, 495 horse, under three seconds, zero to 60, comfortable. It's going to be comfortable. It's going to have a good sound system. You can get the seats that you want. Um, They have more color options available, um, several different interior colors, I think 12 exterior colors. And if you can get in for 80, 85,000, I just think that's... That's a lot of car for the money. I think they're doing a pretty good job with it. Oh, and they said everything on the interior is basically leather or like an Alcantara, um, and uh, and all the switches are aluminum. So don't expect a lot of plastic. Because my first thought was, all right, it's going to feel like 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 I don't know, just like a Silverado or something. You get into it, you know, it's going to have a lot of plastic switch gear and all that stuff. But first of all, they eliminated so many switches and put them all into the touchscreen that it probably saved them a lot of weight and uh, and money by not making all these switches in aluminum. But everything that's there is pretty much aluminum. I mean, they they say that, but I didn't look the center console, all the air conditioning switches. I it's fine that those are plastic, but you know, like. The dial, you know, that I was talking about for the infotainment system looked like it was a knurled aluminum and the door handles and all that stuff. So um, it's it's much nicer on the inside. I think the proportions are great. Um, the wheels are always like love it or hate it. That's what HRE and all these other companies are for. Um, so now you start to think, what about a Z06 or ZR1 or something, right? If they do a ZR1 version and they supercharge it. What's the current? Well, that's going to be right. That's going to be a hundred grand. Yeah, it's going to be over a hundred thousand. But where are we now with the ZR1? Like seven fifty-five horsepower. So a new, a mid-engine ZR1 has to be somewhere in the seven sixty to seven eighty, maybe seven eighty-five range, right? I would, I would think so for sure. And uh, you know, and and it's going to come standard with all these extra bits, and that's where the body's going to get more aggressive, like the current ZR1, Um, and uh, so. I don't. I don't want to give away the guy I was hanging out with or the company that uh, he represents, but he is a supplier for a very specific uh, performance part on the Corvette, and he said, "Oh yeah, we've already developed th- this part for said." ZR1 or Z06 or whatever it's going to be. So without confirming anything, he basically confirmed that uh, he's already working on the part for this car. Um, well, that's so, how it all works. You know that. That's from right. manufacturer to manufacturer. Yeah. <laughs> that's, so, the, that's, the, that's the sequence. Um, so I was there. I was, it, was, it was impressive. Uh, these guys, uh, I... I, I, you know what it is? Is I guess I've never really a hardcore Corvette fan. I've never owned one. My brothers owned, I think, a few. I've always enjoyed driving them. Um, I've been in tons of them. I've driven uh, a, a bunch. Um, yeah, if you saw my my tweet about it, I was like, four ninety five horse. Everything looks great. I can't wait to see what Ken Lingenfelder is going to do with it. Like that's already where my head is at with that. Is is uh, what Ken and his. His, but but you didn't does. sound overly excited, which I well, thought you were going to be. You, you know, here, you, 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 here's you were, the thing. You're, is, you're a little toned down compared to truly what I thought your reaction was going to be to that car. So, Well, I, I was never such a Corvette guy that this thing was like, this thing blows my mind. Like, it, I, 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 I see what you're saying. I am but impressed. I can, hear it, I can hear it in your voice. Yeah, you I, I'm definitely impressed with this car, and I like this car a lot because I don't have – you know, decades of Corvette ownership under my belt. All right. So um, I'm still curious. 
I'm still curious what Corvette owners think. Would they would they I put this out on on my Shift and Steer podcast as well. Sort of three options would be should the C8 Corvette be front engine? Should it be mid-engine like it is or should they have had a mid-engine and front-engine variation like the way maybe for lack of a better term Ford has a 4 GT and you know in a Mustang. I mean that's I would be, way too I big been, of a gap I, of price. I would have thought that was the route that they were going to go. I would have thought to so have, too. Have an option, but you know, I I think just, I, yeah I, I thought they were going to do a front engine and a mid engine. I thought they were just going to have a mid engine more supercar ish. Uh, I was expecting. I would have been fine with them going. We're going to do a new front engine Corvette. This is what it's going to be, and and we're doing a mid engine more supercar, and it's going to start at one hundred and fifty thousand and go up to like two and a quarter. I would have been like, yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah, that's exactly where I thought they were going. But uh, when you heard the rumors about it being an affordable that's mid engine, then uh, that that was kind of out out the window. But yeah, I, I would be very curious to see because I'm just like you. I'm a guy who's always wanted. That late '60s, early '70s Corvette, mm-hmm. um, but I've never, never owned one, and I, I, I've got the pa- I've got the desire for one, but not the passion that the Corvette guys have. And you know, I have a, a certain emotion towards it, and I'm very curious to see what the purists think about it. Yeah, I, I, I love to get people's thoughts on it. And I, by the way, a lot of people have commented on my posts and the Facebook and the photo galleries and all that stuff, and. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, that's why it's there. I, I love to get everybody's thoughts on it. Some people love it. Some people hate it. A lot of people are, are looking at it next to an NSX and saying it's got a lot of NSX into it in the, in the design. I, I, I guess it does, but I, I kind of feel like so many of these mid-engine, uh, you know, supercars, if you will, for, for lack of a better term, I keep I, – I want to call it a supercar because it's sort of a mid-engine thing, but it could be the first mid-engine sports car, like like – I mean, you know, like good sports car. I'm not talking like MR2 or Corvair or, or you know, or something like that. But uh, I could, uh, I could see that. Uh, just sort of a, a modern day sports car. I mean, I guess Lotus is in that range. Like a Lotus Evora is mid engine, and and uh, and you know, under a hundred grand. You know, depending on options, I'm sure. And and that's a pretty cool car. And I did a, a big track day in a Lotus Evora, but. Um, anyway, I, I like the car. I, I think at sixty thousand base, um, probably in the eighties for a fully loaded car, I think it's going to be fantastic. I don't really know when this comes out. I don't think this comes out before SEMA, so I don't expect the SEMA show to be, you know, anything more than new Jeeps and uh, and uh, and Toyota Supras. But um, uh, the following year is probably going to have a million of these things. Um, uh, it's impressive. I, I can't wait to drive it because I, like I said, I don't have that love affair with the front engine uh, Corvette. So me getting into the mid engine Corvette, I'm just I just want to get into uh, this very impressive, fast, affordable mid engine American sports car. You can put a Corvette nameplate on it if you want. I'm fine with that. Uh, but I think the car is impressive, and I can't wait to drive it. Uh, and it's a good good representation of just like you said a different uh, a new era entry level American sports car. Yeah. Um, Hopefully. 
All right, let me tell you guys about uh, Brembo. Brembo, 60 to 0. Brembo has been stopping champions on the track as well as drivers like you and me on the street for over 50 years. Brembo is the world leader in braking systems, has now made replacing the brakes on your everyday vehicle even easier. For domestic, Asian, and European models, from subcompact cars to full-size pickups, Brembo USA, BremboStoreUSA.com is the place to go and buy genuine Brembo OE equivalent replacement brake components. Whether it's UV-coated disc brakes, low-dust premium ceramic brake pads, or high-temperature brake fluid, go to BremboStoreUSA.com now to get the brakes, which have been the choice of champions for over 50 years. I spoke to these guys, and by the way, if your car wasn't equipped with Brembo brakes from the factory— Brembo probably still makes rotors and pads. And if you want the best rotors and pads, you can guys can go here and get that stuff. So uh, for a limited time, use CARCAST10 as your code to get 10% off your first purchase and help achieve that 60 to 0 braking performance you deserve and expect from Brembo. So go to, uh, go to BremboStoreUSA.com. Use the code CARCAST10 for 10% off. Uh, good stuff. Always I gotta, and I got to tell you what we're talking about. Uh, there's a lot of squeak I'm getting from these Dodges, whether it's the Charger or the Red Eye or the Deep. Not, not the Deep because I don't have enough miles on it, but you know, uh, most most all of them, unfortunately, have been giving me that big squeak under a thousand miles, right about a thousand miles. So, um, I'm going to have to talk to Brambo. Maybe they're not. Uh, maybe uh, maybe they're not getting. You know, maybe they're not breaking them in correctly. Maybe, uh, you know, there should be a good break-in Are process. you saying maybe I'm not breaking them in correctly? Well, I'm saying when they deliver the cars, <laughs> maybe there isn't a process that they're doing that, that has more of a, of a, of a break-in process. Because if you think about it, if you, if you swapped out new brakes on your car, there's like a series of stops, 30 to 0, 60 to 0, and you got to do this, I don't know, six or seven or eight times and, you know, get hard on them and then let them cool in between. And, you know, there's a break-in process. Definitely yeah. everybody should look that up, by the way. Anybody doing brakes on their car should always look up the break-in process and and try to do it um but also there was a great video that was posted by porsche instead of porsche fixing squeaky brakes they made an entire like video like documentary video like education video with science and and animated whatever (laughs) all about why brakes squeak so they were like if we can't fix it we're just going to tell everybody why then you have to suck it up (laughs) it's a great times out of 10 it's a piece of dirt yeah right it's just like they're just like unfortunately because that's what it's been on every one of mine so, so even though I was uh, highly critical, there was a there was a point to it. They were they were dirty. They were dirty. Very sensitive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but pretty uh, pretty interesting stuff. So um, I think we're gonna we're gonna chat with uh, Mark Warman in uh, in a couple of minutes. Um, but uh, we've got to we've got to get him on the phone in a minute. And uh, but uh, I can see Chris is already on the phone <laughs> uh, talking to somebody else. Producing. He's always producing. So we're going to get uh, Warman on in a minute. Let's get an update on the on your truck, right? And, uh, 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 well, well, yeah, you know, what? we're, we're going to let Mark talk about that. Um, I don't know exactly where we are. Um, you know, uh, yeah, all I know is we're close. We're, we're very, very close. So give us a um, recap. This is news. This is the uh, work truck you had of like, what's the year, make, and model? Obviously, Dodge. Well, I, you know, it, it, here's the deal. I, it was a 99 Dodge Ram 
2500 uh, with a 360 in it, all original. Um, I use it as a farm truck. You know, I haul trees with it. The thing is completely smashed, smashed from top to bottom, head to toe. And, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, somebody took it upon themselves to uh, give me a little restoration on it. It was about a three-quarter restoration in the, the power plant um, with all the new suspension and the big tires and the big wheels needed more than an upgrade. So, you know, those 360s after a while, I mean, they, 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 don't, they don't have the juice, period, end of story. So, so these why guys... not? Mr. Warman and I spoke to each other uh, a SEMA or two ago about Mopar performance, putting a 392 in there. And, uh, you know, it's been, it's been one issue after another. It wasn't a clean, clean swap by any means. Um, after some frame notching and, you know, equipment swapping and, you know, a lot of stuff had to be carried over from the 360 and put and used with the 392. So, um, it's been a learning process and, you know, I will say this now and I'm quite repetitive. Um, this is something that, that, that is completely out of his comfort zone. You know, he's a, uh, he's a muscle car guy. He's, he's not about notching frames and, you know, he's about replicating and duplicating original equipment. And um, I asked him to do something that, that's, that's, like I said, outside of his, re- not his realm, but um, just outside of their normal, their normal build. Right. He's not really and a hot rod I, builder. He's a, he's a, you know, he's a restoration guy. He's a restoration guy. Yeah, no question. So I asked him, you know, we, we, we both embarked upon this without the proper knowledge of what we were actually embarking upon. And hopefully we can present a story that a lot of people can learn from, both positively and negatively. All right. And hopefully we can save a lot of people time. You know, with a lot of your videos, you've been able to do the same thing. But in, in producing a video like that, that means usually that, you know, you had to go through some crappy situation and you're trying <laughs> not to duplicate it for someone else. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's, it's just been one thing after another. Um, I'm never going to push a restoration by any means or a build. Um, the guys that I give my vehicles to are close friends. They're great people. Uh, not only great people at what they do professionally. So, um, it can take him five years. I don't care. All right. Well, we've um, got uh, but, Mark but on the might, phone. But it might. But it might. So we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to talk to Mark and, and find out exactly where we are on it. But. All right. Let's do it. Hello, Mark. Hello. Oh, Mr. Mark. Warman. Yes, we're on Yo, the phone. Man. We got uh, Bill and I are on the phone with you, Mark. We just uh, we were just uh, Bill was just saying all these really really nice things about you and uh, and this build uh, this Aww. truck you're working on for him. Um, so I hope you can. I hope you got. I hope you got good news. <laughs> yeah, I hope there's good no, news. No, there. Mark. Here's the deal. It was basically what I told you in the, our last correspondence. Um, this is something that you yeah. and I embarked upon. I don't want to reiterate for the for the listeners, but I'm I'm gonna. So it's something that you and I embarked upon. It was it's out of your out of your comfort zone, and that you're a restoration guy. You're not a, a fabricator, and yeah, you do muscle right. cars. You don't do you don't do piece of crap trucks. You know, and I only say piece of crap because that was the condition that it was in when you got it. But um, you know, the power plant needed to be upgraded. We got Mopar Performance to, to jump on board, and uh, yeah. it's been a it's been a learning process. And like I told yep. Matt, you know, um, I, I'm we're, we're this is, everything has a positive to it in that hopefully now we can provide a lot of information for people wanting to do the same swap. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's that's exactly right. So, Mark, tell us tell us what it is that got delivered to you and then uh, tell us what you've been doing to it. All right. So Bill's truck is a 99 Dodge 2500 series four wheel drive extended cab. It's jacked 14 feet in the air and it's rhino coated <laughs> yeah. the roof. If he could have rhino coated the tires, he would have. But I don't think they would do the rubber for him. So that big lifted beast came in to us and it had a rod hammering in a 5.9 liter that it started life with. Yeah. So we got hold of our friends over at Mopar and very graciously they worked with us on getting us one of the. 392 crate engines. This is a naturally aspirated engine, right? Yeah, correct. Okay. Yeah. Yep. This is just the 6.4 liter 392. It's the same engine exactly that we put into our 2016 SEMA build, which was that 71 Nasty Grass Green Cuda. Now these, this is the engine I believe, uh, Bill, that you and I when we when we drag raced at Springfest in the uh, Challenger thirteen twenties. That was the naturally aspirated uh, three ninety two version of the Challenger. You're you're exactly right. That's what's in the thirteen twenty. Okay, what's what's the horsepower of those? Uh, Four seventy five to the crankshaft. Okay. Compared to one of the three of the original three sixty, which is about two twenty two twenty (laughs) four. Low twos, I'm sure. Okay, I'm so, reasonably sure. So you're doing um, a you're doing a big transplant on this thing, and uh, I, as we were saying, like such a great restoration guy, not uh, traditionally a, a hot rod builder per se. So this is <laughs> this right. is something a little a little different for you guys. And uh, what what's what are you running into? What what issues, and how are you overcoming them? Okay. So, uh, along with the uh, 392 crate engine, uh, Mopar supplied us with one of the controller units. Okay. So, the controller unit is designed to do one thing, and really one thing only, and that is communicate with the 392 crate engine and make it run the way it's supposed to run. Mm Mm-hmm. It doesn't care if you put it in a bowl of soup, a bathtub, or a 99 Dodge Ram truck, because it isn't going to talk to any of the other pieces involved in that build. It only cares about the engine. So I say that as a preface for some of the troubles that we've had. Now, I'll also preface it by saying, uh, because, you know, we're engineered and geared (laughs) in the way of preserving originality when it comes time to modifying something like having to cut the frame up on this thing and do some modifications one is it definitely outside of my comfort zone and two is i want to try to do as minimum as humanly possible in the way of cutting and altering the frame just because that's how i'm wired to be able to handle this engine so the plagues have been as follows, and I and I am going to write an article next month in Mopar Muscle because I write for them every month. I'm going to take some pictures and try to walk people through what we've learned. And and by the way, up through right now, we are still learning up through today. But I expect to have the last hurdle resolved today. 
The 392 bolted. <laughs> that is good news. The 392 bolted right up to the original automatic overdrive transmission that the truck came with. Now, later down the road, Bill's going to do something trick, I'm sure, with the transmission. But for right now, we married it to his original one because it worked fine. And that's mating the transmission to the engine. But to get to that point, because we pulled the engine out and left the transmission in place. Let's transmission cross member in place so we had the the geography of exactly where that transmission sits in space so we could start working on getting it to accept this engine. The first thing we ran into was how are we going to mount this engine, which uses a completely different engine mounting system up to the spool style motor mounts that the Dodge truck came with. Now I tried to make a mount I thought was going to look pretty good. <laughs> Why are you laughing? I tried to make a mount. I can hear that, the angst in your voice. That's fine. <laughs> it was, People it only do. You're a great it actor. It turned out so good. Oh, boy. Yeah, oh, it was boy. It was horrible. I wouldn't put that on anything. And I built a little dead wagon pretty much myself on the frame. But, boy, I had just butchered that mount up. So I thought, God, there's only one guy I know in the world that, could help me here because nobody if you get on google and look nobody makes that transplant engine mount 392 crate hemi to the style of spool motor mount that the 99 dodge ram uses so i called up to schumacher and i spoke with one of the owners up there i believe it's mike i hope so (laughs) i hope he doesn't get mad at me don't blame me for not remembering names i'm terrible but Schumacher Industries, and I got on the phone with him. I said, hey, man, this marked down at Graveyard Cars, and uh, here's my project. Do you make anything? And he says, no, nah, man, wait, nobody's nobody's doing anything like that. And I go, well, there's one guy doing something like that, Bill Goldberg, and I've got I've to come up with a resolution. He goes, well, we, we don't build that mount. I'm so sorry. He says, the best thing you can do is just custom build it yourself. And uh, we had a nice sequential conversation, got off the phone, and... Uh, I went back out to the shop, and literally, like an hour later, I was looking at that mount that I just brutalized that I tried to make, thinking how hideous I was. And my phone rang, and it was Schumacher again. And he says, uh, "Hey, man, I'm going to help you out. So this is a this is a good this is a good opportunity for me to make one. Maybe people haven't asked for it yet, but they will because that's how we built our whole business." Uh huh. So that crazy guy took his footprint for a 392 motor mount and then he had a and this is where i will want to get my facts straight so we'll want to wait for the article to come out so i have my facts straight but i believe he used a 99 dodge dakota the smaller truck to get the footprint for the spool style uh motor mounts and next thing you know a week and a half two weeks later i open up my uh, my mail there, my packages that came in, and here's a pair of mounts that are ready to bolt on the engine. And additionally, now this is something I've been trying to get a minute to talk with Bill, so we'll just do it in front of everybody. <laughs> Out of the kindness of his heart, just he said, just in case, he goes, we made these things, and just in case you need headers, I've got a pair of headers for you. So he gave us a pair of headers, mm. and I thought, nah, because I think... Uh, I think Bill's... Magnafly. I think we're going to... What's that? Richard Waiters. Magnafly. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I knew you had a connection there. So I thought, well, okay, maybe worst case scenario that. But at the same time, I do need to run the engine, and I can't run it with no manifolds on it. I could take the HP manifolds off the 392, but I can't just sit there and run it with cold air going into the valve. So I got to have something to run it with. And that is when we utilize those headers. Yeah. And so he gave us the mount, the mount. We bolted them to the engine. We went to set it in, and Bill will tell you it's weekend after weekend. I've been working on this on Saturdays trying to get it done for him, and I'd send him something that I thought, hey, we're out of the woods, and then <laughs> the next text would be, sorry, no, we're not. But a really the long process, man. story truncated down to something that makes sense is each time we've set the engine in the cavity heading towards the Mary up of the transmission, we ran into interference from the front main frame cross member. And at first we ran into the fact that we couldn't get the oil filter adapter or just a straight oil filter. No version of an oil filter would be on the engine without interfering with that cross member. So that's when I, that, and it was hitting the back of the firewall and that was before we even got it set all the way back in. And I think that's when I thought, boy, I better call Bill. This is out of my comfort zone. So we talked, and we had almost scratched the whole thing. We thought, shit, let's go to something else and figure out another angle. I actually had pretty much all but tapped out, and he agreed. It was it was sounding pretty pretty complicated, at least for my level of stuff. And as we got off the phone and kind of fleshed it out over the next week, I was looking at maybe getting a 5'9", and just having it built all to hell, maybe send it down to Ray Barton and have him build some crazy thing for him. When uh, Bill and I just circled back around, and we decided that neither one of us liked to throw in the... I don't know when the last time you tapped out, Bill. I don't think you ever have, have you? No, no Me- not really. Wrestling, wrestling, <laughs> metaphor. <laughs> yeah. So, it's not in his so, nature. Not when I, not when not I was our, conscious. <laughs> <laughs> it's not in our, our DNA. So long story short is we stuck with it. I said, listen, I'm going to do some modifying on this frame. I'm going to do as little as I have to do and make it look as good as I possibly can. But just keep in mind, it's not my thing. He gave me the green light. I went out with a cutoff wheel, made a mark in it, set the engine in place, made a mark, then went out with the cutoff wheel, got us some access so we could move the engine in. And as the engine slipped past the oil filter, the alternator hit the other side of the frame. Well, the same side of the frame, but up higher on it. Oh, shit. (laughs) So... I welded up the uh, the gussets in place for the oil filter provision and then made a mark on the frame where we needed to make a notch and a relief to be able to accept the alternator. And so we did that. We modified it, fixed the patched it in. It's, uh, again, picture worth a thousand words. You'll see what we had to do. But overall, pretty sanitary. And the engine went right back up against it. It went into place. We started to marry it up to the transmission, but then we had that firewall issue where we had to basically French in the firewall about a six-inch by six-inch area. We had to relieve the firewall back towards the driver so it would make room for the left-hand valve cover. After we did all that, and this is making it short, but in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out, we had it in there. I sent Bill a picture. We were all so excited, and then Doug says, now how are we going to get that oil filter off? (laughs) If you yeah. took, if you unwound that oil filter six turns, it hit that provision that I put in the frame. I just didn't think it out very well. So out comes the engine again, and we had to recess that about two inches. Voila, we got it. Got it. Okay, done. so step one is getting an engine to mount in there, 
now that we know, I can pretty much draw you a map and anybody at home could do it and set the engine in one time and be done. So, but that's just, you know, that's only a part of it is getting it married up there. Now, once it's married up, we got the exhaust system. We could not run the 392 factory headers, so we did end up using Schumacher's headers. They do not have a provision in them for an upstream O2 sensor. So right now we just aren't, it seems to be running fine. It doesn't seem to care a whole lot whether they're in place or not. But when Bill gets it down there to MagnaFlow, they'll probably put a couple of bungs in their headers so they can run those O2 sensors. Yeah. Guys, uh, we're, uh, play we're, part of it's piece of cake, guys. I mean, it, that's what the whole point behind the Mopar Performance uh, Controller is. You, you run power to two sources, ground it off, make sure your fuel pressure is at the 75 or 80 pounds, whatever it is, and boom, it just started right up and ran great. Well, it's good. It's good. We're uh, so, we're running out of time here. Before we wrap oh, it up, I'm let sorry. me uh, let me tell yep. you guys about JB Weld real quick. Uh, big or yep. small repairs, home or garage, ordinary household glue is just ordinary. If you need a strong bond, there's a better choice. We're proud to have JB Weld Epoxy Adhesive as a sponsor here. I use it at home. Of course, we use it in the garage all the time, even here at the studio. So keep JB Weld in your toolbox, a kitchen drawer, a craft room, wherever. You can put this all around the place. Pros and DIYers have trusted JB Weld for more than 50 years. It's proudly made in the USA. They've got it for metal, wood, plastic, and more. They've even got a high-temp version, which I like. And uh, don't just glue it. JB Weld it. It's available at jbweld.com. It's also at Home Depot, Lowe's, AutoZone, Advanced Auto Parts, O'Reilly, Walmart, Amazon, Nap Auto Parts, and more. jbweld.com. Be sure, guys, to check that out. Uh, Mark, thanks so much for the, uh, for the update. Um, uh, the truck's going to be exciting. It's, uh, how do you like, to, how do you like tackling your first big custom, like hot rod project? It's got to be a little different, right? <laughs> oh, that is not a well, fair question to ask him after that experience. <laughs> yeah. Like I say, we're still connecting air conditioning lines. We had to fabricate and make our own air conditioning lines, our own starter harness and some other things like that. But I hated it. I'll never do it again. <laughs> <laughs> Bill owes me. I don't know what. But he, he owes me something good. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah something really a, good. But like I said, now now it's like I look back and I'm hearing myself rattle on, and it's like, well, what's the big deal? Shit, fab fab guys do this all the time. This is Ron Jenkins down at Magnum Force. Yeah. five minute job for him. You know, that's what those guys do. It's uh, but it all adds to my curriculum vitae, I suppose. Our, our guy in the other room had uh, we, on one of the race cars. We we lost the throw out bearing during racing last year, and uh, now to replace it, the engine has to come out of the car. It's a tube frame chassis turbo car. It's so much work for the stupid throw out bearing. But oh, uh, I, I, I I hear what you're saying. Bearing. Um. As we uh, wrapped up, let me tell you guys about Dodge. Summer's here, and the time is right to burn some rubber in a fast-paced Dodge Charger or an unstoppable Dodge Challenger. If you're feeling the heat, hurry into Dodge today for a great deal during the Dodge Summer Clearance event. Uh, Mark, thank you so much. The show is Graveyard Cars. Go to graveyardcars.com with a Z on cars. Buy a bunch of Mark's T-shirts. 
and all of his <laughs> swag. And then uh, keep watching the show. And we're going to check in with you again and get an update when this thing's getting wrapped up. Uh, but thanks so much for calling in. And thanks so much for all the great work on the truck. I, I know uh, I know Bill appreciates it well. He's going he's gonna to be That's happy That's an understatement, that. Mark. You and I uh, have become much closer uh, through an experience that – normally would push people further away. Yeah, yeah, that's usually yeah. the case. Well, I'm glad to do it, buddy. And like I say, we're breathing pretty easy. A couple little things left on it, and we're going to have you up and do the big reveal. Uh, I plan on running you over with it just to see if I can <laughs> do it in two-wheel drive or if I'll need to lock in four low. But yeah, No problem, just so long as it steers properly. <laughs> oh, it feels great. <laughs> Yeah, uh, no worries, guys. <laughs> thanks, guys. Thanks so much. Of course, you Love can follow you, us. Uh, you can Thank follow you us. us on. All right, guys. Appreciate you. Yeah. You can follow us at carcastshow.com and uh, subscribe on iTunes. And you can follow me at Motorator on social media. See all the pictures of the Corvette and everything else that's up there. And you can follow Goldberg at Goldberg and Goldberg Garage on Twitter. And Goldberg95 and Goldberg's Garage on Instagram. Uh, Chris, thank you so much. I see you running around like a madman over there. Um, and we're going to give up this studio, let the other guys come in. So, uh, Bill, thank you so much. Hopefully, Gage had a good baseball game. He's, he's up to bat here in about two or three people, and it's worked <laughs> out perfectly. Hopefully, uh, no, not many complaints. But uh, love you, boys. Be good. Thanks, man. We'll talk soon. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to the CarCast. Till next time, keep the air and the spare and the bag and the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. Imagine a world where animals and humans coexist in harmony, where wild animals thrive, habitats are protected, and marginalized communities are empowered. At International Animal Rescue, this is our vision. Our holistic, community-led projects not only rescue animals, but also protect and replenish precious habitats, creating a better future for us all. But we can't do this without you. Show your support now and help keep the wild, wild. Visit internationalanimalrescue.org.